With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, Mint Mobile is giving you a much-needed break on your wireless bill. Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Order today at mintmobile.com slash gam. Yeah, right. They interview his barista and she's like, well, I think that, you know, the, the psychologists have it wrong when it comes to Adam. I'm like, why the fuck would anybody care what you think? <laughs> That's what I wrote. Why do I give a shit what this coffee shop owner thinks about right. mental illness? <laughs> right. Why the hell do you think you get a vote on this shit? <laughs> Look, I've spent a lot of time around nut milks and I can tell you. <laughs> No. Yes, yes. Psychoactive disorders aren't real. God awful movie. 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 Welcome back to the Gamcast, where each week we sample another selection from Christian cinema because there's no real hell, so sometimes you have to improvise. I'm your host, No Illusions. Heath's off this week, but sitting 900 miles to my northeast is my bad friend, Eli Bosnick. Eli, how are you this fine afternoon, sir? Oh, this was not fun. This wasn't a fun one. Yeah. No, no, not at all. I messed up and picked a not fun one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And also, of course, we're excited to welcome back special guest masochist, host of the Talk Nerdy podcast, and nearly bedoctored Kara Santa Maria. Kara, welcome back. Oh, my God, you guys. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense this week. I yeah, get no, it. that's exactly the... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to own this one. No, I was expecting <laughs> exactly that greeting. So tell us, Kara, what will we be breaking down today? So we are going to talk about Crazy Wise, which is a documentary. Asterisk. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> about I think it's a it's an indictment of our mental health care system, but also not a good way to address the systemic problem. I don't really know the point of this documentary, except everything's bad and here's how you could make it worse. It's the the point is that mental illness is actually magical. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely one of it. This is a documentary about the problems in our medical system in the way that if Indiana Jones had switched the statue with a baby would be a solution to that puzzle. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Like, it's Uh not... Yeah. It's worse than the problem they're addressing by 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and and this is a super common strategy amongst woo merchants, right? Is that they point to the very real problems in, like, you know, like the, 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 the stuff in evolution where, like, you know, we don't actually understand this part or the, or the problems in, in modern medicine or whatever. And then they pretend that their woo solution is therefore, like, you know, wins by default or something. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And Eli, how bad was this movie? Well, if you love the deadly woo of our usual documentary fare, but you wish the damage was so directly on screen, you might categorize it as a snuff film. <laughs> you will love this movie. I do not. I did not no, love no, this movie. No, 
no love for this movie. So is there anything you guys want to nominate this one for being the best at being the worst at? Yeah, for me, this was like the best worst final exam for a formal logic 101 class. It was kind of like, <laughs> sure. if A equals B and B equals C, then C equals wingding. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. I have no fucking idea where they're going with any, like every scene. <laughs> Ugh, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Finding the therefores was like looking for Waldo in this damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to go with best worst content to try to make jokes about. Right? Yeah, sure. thanks, Eli. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, so now the thing is, is that as an indictment of the mental health care system in America, we're going to follow a couple of people who have mental illness and, you know, their stories are not great. And, and we're sitting here going like, yeah, I am super empathetic to this person. I feel really bad about a lot of things that happened to him, including being included in this fucking propaganda piece. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there will be a lot of. And there's nothing funny about this scene kind of scenes coming up. Just (laughs) forewarned. Mm -hmm. Consider yourself warned. And I'm going to go with best worst tricking Kara into thinking this movie is just about treating people with mental illness better. Because (laughs) podcast listener, I don't know if you've picked this up in the rare visits we have for Dr. Santa Maria on our podcast. But she is a deeply empathetic person who is very concerned with the well-being of patients and how they're treated. And so her notes are a horrible battle against demons and dragons where she's like, okay, that is true. But the thing, okay, now I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, God, now they're bringing up. I I actually really wrote a paper on. Oh, you know what? It's fine. You're so if right. I could have thrown her into a swimming pool with ankle weights on, I think it would have been a less conflicting situation <laughs> oh, than watching this film. My God, watching the descent in these notes at the beginning, it's all like, well, guys, I think that this is actually making a really good. And by the end, it's like, oh, fuck this guy so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, this whole like time is just going to be. Eli making off-color jokes, us groaning, and then me going, but here's the thing, you guys. Right. (laughs) It's going to be like the whole episode. Right. Set up your counters at home, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, we have a whole truckload of refutations we need to back into the dock here. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll dive into all the incidentally homicidal bullshit that is Crazy Wise. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hi, I am soon-to-be Dr. Cara Santa Maria. I'm juggler, no illusions. And I'm magician, Eli Bosnick. If you're struggling with mental health, a person with my qualifications is a great resource. And a person with my qualifications can show you a card trick. Now, based on this week's episode, we understand that it can be hard to tell the difference between a doctor like Kara and me, a guy who can throw things in the air and then catch them. But that's why there's better help. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Whereas I can switch a two of diamonds for a king of clubs. Also for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash awful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash awful. Better help because some people are mental health care professionals and some people are not. Nope. <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome to the first writer's room meeting for Crazy Wise. Quick go around here. I'm Peter. 
I'm a photographer who has decided I've got something to say about mental health care. I'm going to be directing the movie. Well, it sounds valid to me. You certainly have something to contribute to this conversation. Hi, everyone. I'm Grand Mala, High Priestess of the Shoto Oto Healing Tribe. But you guys can call me Ashley. I didn't particularly enjoy art school, and now I kill people with nonsense, so I don't have to feel inferior to my sister who's a lawyer. Hey, my sister's a lawyer, too. My dad's a carpenter. Guys, guys, we all have competent family members who talk about us in whispers. Um, Craig, how about you introduce yourself? Oh, right. Sorry. I'm just a therapist, a, a bad one. You know, I'm just kind of not interested in helping people as much as I am sort of an outgrowth of the celebrity therapist culture of the late 80s, early 90s. I'm just like a bad guy. I'm a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I am super excited, gang. Now, why don't we get out here, find some incredibly vulnerable people and then literally endanger their lives? Yeah, let's do it. I have paintings of naked ladies in my house. Yeah, no, we all we all do, Ashley. All of us. Okay. <laughs> and we're back for the breakdown. And in a preview of what kind of carelessly dangerous shit this movie's going to have to say, we open on a quote that seems to dare people prone towards self-harm. The quote is, the wound is the place where the light enters you. Mm. Yeah. For the record, that quote by, I think it's a Rumi quote, is about love mm -hmm. and the pain of loving other people. It is absolutely not about mental illness. <laughs> okay, well, that's good to know in retrospect. Yeah. So we're going to start out by meeting Adam. And Adam is one of the people that we're going to be like empathizing with and feeling sorry for getting stuck in this propaganda piece the entire time. Adam has a severe mental illness. And when we meet him, he's living out of his car. Yeah, this is the point in the document where I said, oh, geez, this is a documentary about mental illness with a guest host who's a clinical psychologist on a comedy show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why do you do this to me? Come on. <laughs> There's got to be some yucks here, right, Kara? Yuck, yuck, yuck. So then I'm starting to try an armchair diagnose, which I would usually never do. <laughs> well, because he's giving us some of his symptoms, but he's not quite saying his diagnosis. So he's coming across like he's describing some schizoaffective kind of symptoms. And I think ultimately, I think his diagnosis is bipolar with psychotic features or schizoaffective disorder, which is just for the people who don't know, sort of a combination between bipolar one. So you've got the manic and the depressive episodes combined with psychosis. So hearing voices. Mm, well, I think you'll find that this movie, he actually ends up diagnosed with needing a really good friend. Yep, right. That's actually yeah. what, it, what it was. <laughs> And in sort of a demonstration of, of his mental illness early on, we see him screaming into a pillow, which would be like, it, it would have hit harder if I wasn't doing that at the time that I saw it, <laughs> trying to get my fucking internet to work. But, you know. And I was doing it because I was realizing what I was walking yeah, into. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was fine, everybody. I was yeah, fine. No, Eli was yeah, no, Eli was doing this on purpose. Yep. Doing great. So then we're going to meet our filmmaker, Phil, who is a photographer, which really makes him overqualified to talk about mental illness, if you think about it, <laughs> who goes around and takes pictures of indigenous people all over the world. And let me just say, great photographer. Oh, yeah. His yeah. photos are beautiful. Some good pictures. Yeah. yeah. Great depth. And, and yeah. Other stuff, not so not so much. Maybe he should stick to photography. You know, not, you know how Kara's not out there, like, doing your fucking job, guy? It's like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> and of course, this is this is the point where I'm like, I'm not going to be able to make fun of this movie because at this point, we don't really know the thesis statement. Right. And they're talking about making meaning out of mental illness. And I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. I'm definitely with you on this. Like, I don't know where we're going. And then we go. Right. But then the movie sort of sneaks its thesis statement in, which is maybe mental illness is just being magical. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because they talk about, he's like, you know, I met a woman in the shamanic culture who clearly had what we would diagnose as a mental illness, but they thought that that was her blessing that made her magical or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, they end it with this quote. He says, is there more to mental illness than illness? And I wrote in my notes, no. Why would you say that about any other kind of illness? Imagine being like, is there more to this chicken pox than chicken and pox? <laughs> no. Mm -mm. Just an illness, man. Well, and that's the part that's so frustrating because I am on team. Let's make meaning out of our suffering. Sure. And ultimately, I feel like they try to bait and switch you a lot. Yes. Like mm -hmm. under the guise of let's make meaning out of our suffering, which is a logotherapeutic technique, which is like central to the work I do. They're then like, it's not really mental illness. It's magic. Right. Right. Well, so, and, and that's the thing is like, he opens on this great point, which is that in tribal cultures, the, the sort of the tribal community is better prepared to take care of a person who has a mental illness, right? Because they're, they're less likely to sort of just be left alone in an apartment somewhere. And that's correct, right? Like community is super important on this shit. And that's one of the things that we do really wrong in this country. So yeah, it starts off making some pretty good points. Mm. But he starts to say, like, you know, so as a photographer, I started wondering if psychological science was wrong and I was correct. So I went out there <laughs> and I met some people. Now, so we go back to his home in Seattle. This is where that guy that was living out of his car. This is Adam. That's where we meet Adam again. Mm -hmm. He sort of starts telling us his story. He was normal growing up. He had a, a mental illness that started to manifest in his early 20s, I guess. Yeah, which is common with schizophrenia. Hey, guys, will you do me a super big favor? If there's ever, if my mental illness ever gets really bad and puts me in crisis, will you please not let them do a documentary where there's that sad opening bit where everyone talks about how great I was and then for two minutes they're like, but then he fucking sucked. Yeah, but like, back before he was all broken and shitty. Yeah, oh yes. God, it was so awful. The defenders of this movie would say, if we were to talk to them, and we won't because I would bite them, but if we were to talk to them, they would say, oh, it's about, you know, not letting labels affect you. And I just want to remind everyone that we're now at the, and then his brain broke and he was a piece of shit ever since section of the <laughs> yep. movie. Yep, yep. A lot of that, yeah. No, as we, we hear from his high school girlfriend who seems to suggest that he has psychic powers. This mm -hmm. is amazing. Okay, mm -hmm. let's be very clear, okay? This is just a very nice thing that his ex said, I'm sure, during the interviews, right? But since one of the cowardly messages of this movie is maybe you're magic, they are kind of trying to have it both ways here, yes. right? They're like, yeah, no, Adam was totally normal. Unless... He had a superpower. Right, unless you count his <laughs> mutant powers. Yeah, right, right. Well, again, they, they don't want to come right out and say it because it's such a ridiculous thing to say. But yeah, the, the, the undercurrent of this movie is maybe what we think of as mental illness is your psychic powers trying to break through and your mind trying to rationalize that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
But so Adam, after he, he got out of high school, he moved to Florida, which you can tell that like he probably wasn't entirely sane, right? Who would move to Florida on purpose? Kara, what did you do? Did you blow would it you with stop? Adam? Stop. Would you, you have to tell stop us. it? Stop <laughs> it. He's missing teeth. This is all coming together, Kara. Not yet. No, nope. you're jumping ahead. So. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. It's because he hadn't met you yet. But then, so so they throw out some stats here that one in five Americans will suffer a psychological crisis in their lifetime, which is both terrifying and lower than I thought it was, right? <laughs> yeah, and what does that mean? I don't really get what their specification is there. What's a psychological crisis? Right, yeah. Like, yeah. are they saying they'll have a diagnosis? Because the number's higher than that. Right. Yeah, no idea. They, they, they weren't really <laughs> worried about okay. what the numbers meant. You know? <laughs> right. This is also where we meet Akaya. She had a psychological crisis, whatever that means, in her, also in her early 20s. Yeah, she was having command hallucinations, which is not uncommon in schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder. So basically hearing voices that were like directing her to do things. And sometimes those things that they were directing to her to do were dangerous or harmful. And she was also having visual hallucinations of her deceased father. Yeah. But... In all the interviews, by the way, she actually seems to be doing well with her treatment. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Unlike Adam, who we follow through quite a bit of shit. Yeah, it seems like we got uh, Akaya almost entirely like on the upswing a bit. Yeah, or not not even on a good swing. I think she's, I think, after watching the entire thing, that she is stable on stable medication. Yeah. Yeah, we hope. Because they never actually deny right, that. Yeah, she never says she's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we go back to Adam. He starts talking about his psychotic break. And, and, and like he's like, at first it was pretty awesome because I was like feeling super creative. And then I look back over my notebooks and I'm like, oh, this is fucking seven. This is Kevin Spacey from seven. This is not good. Yeah, he right. was in a he was having a manic episode. OK. And it's not uncommon that when people are manic, they it feels good. They're like, this is great. I'm immortal. I feel so strong. I feel so clear in my thinking. I can do anything. And then, yeah, once they swing back, they're like, uh-oh, that was problematic. And that's often when people also have some of those psychotic features like he had. Right. And also when people start, like, you know, checking themselves into a mes- mental institution as he did at this point, right? Right. And if I can uh, plant a little bit of a spoiler, whatever you think this movie is going to say about that manic episode... You are not ready for what this movie will end up landing on about that particular manic episode. Yeah. So he says, you know, Adam says, well, you know, I went to the men- this mental institution and let me tell you, that is not the place to go to get better. And I'm like, oh, this movie's going to kill people. That was the first time I was like, oh, for sure. This the guy, people are going to die because they saw this now. Right. Yeah. yeah. I put, oh, no, here's where it gets dangerous because it's like he goes there and don't get me wrong. A lot of inpatient psychiatric facilities have a lot of room for improvement, but that is a problem with our healthcare system. Right. That is not a problem with with psychiatric intervention. Kara. Yeah. I'm a simple man with simple standards, okay? (laughs) If Uh medicine doesn't work the first time, I immediately result to ancient traditions (laughs) that are proven (laughs) scientifically not to work. And if you don't like that, you're just going to have to bat a thousand, okay? And that's the argument, right? He goes (laughs) into this inpatient thing and he's like, there was a girl there and she scared me and they gave me meds and they made me feel weird. So I left after like three days. And it's like, no, 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 wait. (laughs) Right. You gotta, what? (laughs) 
Yeah, they, they're, they're like, you know, they kept putting me on different medicines and they, I, I was I was having a bad time. I was throwing up and stuff. And it's like, yeah, man, like that's like there's no like magic pill that makes everything fucking better. And they do have to like sometimes try out a bunch of different medicines. And sometimes it takes your body a while to get used to the various medicines. It, it, like I'm empathetic to that. I, I am right. Like that's that's tough. That's a rough thing to have to go through. But it's still better than like you know, not doing anything about it and going on a fucking meditation retreat instead. Yeah, right. Yeah. Imagine if we were doing a documentary about cancer and he was like, and then I was like, wait, this shit's going to make me lose my hair. So I pull that fucker right out of my wrist. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yes. That is exactly what happened. He, and I hate this. He goes down the list of all the different meds that he's taken. And he's like, the first side effect of like all these meds is suicidal thoughts. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's like nausea or vomiting or something. It's not the first yeah. side effect, It's not Adam. the first, the first side, side effect of any of these. Is dry mouth. Come on, yeah. Adam. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> not only is it not the first side effect of any of these, it's only a side effect of a small subset of them. And we know that the reason that suicidal thoughts is a side effect of many antidepressants is not because the antidepressants make you suicidal. That can happen in a very, very small number of people. But it's really because when you're deeply, deeply depressed, if you have been contemplating suicide, sometimes when you start to take the medications, you finally get your energy back. And that's when people oh, will wow. often complete the suicide. Yes, yeah, top of your do list. Oh, wow. I, I had no <laughs> idea. That's interesting. And that's why it's it's risky when somebody starts meds that they really, really need to be checking in regularly and they need to be observed. Oh, wow. Yeah. And inpatient care is a great place to be observed. Exactly. Exactly. So this idea, I don't know, it's just, ugh, it's just so much misinformation. It pisses me off. Yeah. So, but this is where the filmmaker decides, you know, he's like, you know, as a photographer, I probably know better than all of these people. So it says in the movie, he's like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to check with these experts. And the very <laughs> first person we see, the Chiron doesn't say psychologist or psychiatrist or licensed anything or any protected term whatsoever. It's fucking journalist author Robert Whitaker. Yeah. Right. right. And he calls him a mental health expert. His job <laughs> is anti-mental health crusader. Yeah. We actually talked about him a little in the Scientology movie. In case you're wondering what kind of hard-hitting science Robert is doing these days, his latest blog post is, Can ChatGPT Defend the Long-Term Use of Anti-Psychology? Psychotics, in which he loses a debate to ChatGPT <laughs> about his entire life's work. Like, I don't want to send these people any traffic, so incognito window that up. But if you have never seen a man get cornered by a robot before, I highly oh. recommend it. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, this this is where he makes this ridiculous claim that he's like, you know, they say it's to keep this chemical down in your brain. And I said, well, where's the proof that that chemical is bad? And he's like, oh, no, that chemical, the psychologist told me, no, those chemicals are just metaphors. <laughs> Fucking what? Oh, yeah. Nobody ever told him that. Like, what is he talking about? That sounds like something out of the dead parents sketch. What? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Uh, I can't. I can't with this guy. I called science and demanded that they give me evidence. <laughs> and they said it was a palindrome. For my misunderstanding what? of a thing they didn't say, and they could not produce it. Yeah. So, and then we meet Alan Francis, and he strikes me as one of these people who, like, got into the documentary thinking he was just going to, it was just a documentary about some of the problems with the mental health care system in America and didn't realize the magic component was a part of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they totally, they totally like bait and switch this guy. Alan Francis is legit. He was one of the original authors 
of the DSM. He is very, very critical of the way that different iterations of the DSM have been drafted over the years. A lot mm-hmm. of his critiques are really legitimate. There's some things, you know, that I disagree with him about. There are many things I do agree with him about. And he is probably so pissed that they took him out of context in this documentary. Yeah, if I believed that Alan Francis owned a TV, I would feel bad for him for seeing himself <laughs> yeah, in this right, right. <laughs> No, I wrote my notes. I'm like, because I did a quick Google on him. I'm like, well, he looks pretty legit, but the controversial treatment section of his Wikipedia page is longer than I'd want in my psychiatrist. <laughs> He's a little shock happy. We can say it. Well, yeah, a little Francis. bit. A little bit. He's a little shock happy. I get it. Yeah. So but we also meet this guy, Dwayne Stone. He doesn't have a Google signature, couldn't find anything about him. But he thinks there's too many brain drugs. And he he makes the claim that everyone who's ever used psychiatric drugs is just as bad off as they otherwise would have been. Yeah. On his website, he has this quote on his main page, which I thought I would read. I am one of the few private practice clinicians with expertise in and a dedication to addressing schizophrenia, bipolar, psychosis related to marijuana use and major depressive disorder. So Noah, take no, note because this is not your, your guy to go to. He's, uh, he's the guy who figured out that oh. those diseases. Oh, okay. Well, that's oh, nice. No. You know what great doctors do on a regular basis? I'm the fucking guy. All right? So if anyone... <laughs> I knew about maybe this before you, Maybe you've heard else. of it. Do you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> also, is this the part where they claim that like, because we've been taking meds for, you know, 70 years now, but mental illness is going up, the meds are making us worse? Yes. Because, yep. like, <laughs> no, there's an infographic and everything. <laughs> <laughs> We're not curing it because if it was medicine, it should be curing it, Kara. Yeah, that's literally his argument. Like, if we've been treating it and it's getting worse, that means we're making it worse. And it's like, yeah. no, it's like when we first started screening, not first started, but we, we increased and improved cancer screening, right? Sure. Yeah. And when we did that, Guess what happened? It looked on paper like more people had cancer. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's like Wakefield's <laughs> rise in autism, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like this dude's up there being like, have you guys noticed how many new stars there have started existing since we got the James Webb thing? <laughs> this is really the James <laughs> Webb is making way too many stars. It's <laughs> so good. I tell him to stop. Uh, all right. And, and quick, in case we're having too much fun here, we, we, we check back in on Akaya. She tells us about her, her multiple suicide attempts, mm-hmm. right? This is when she first started taking antipsychotics. And she says at one point, she's like, you know, it changed who I was completely. And I'm like, okay, but but to be fair, the, the who you were before that was walking into traffic. So we needed to do- Right, was suicidal. Some right. amount of changing you, right? Mm-hmm. And it is sad. Like her whole story sad, right? She started taking oh, these meds and then she gained a bunch of weight. She felt really like drugged up all the time. This is a very common experience for people with schizoaffective or schizophrenia is that the drugs are heavy drugs mm-hmm. and it's hard for them to adjust to them. Some people's quality of life does- look like or feel to them like it goes down, but they are more capable of maintaining relationships. They are more capable of maintaining what we call their ADLs, their activities of daily living. And here's the annoying part is that she's being fucking exploited. Oh, yeah. Very clearly being exploited in this documentary. Yeah. And again, like probably like Alan Francis had no idea that she was what, what she was doing was going to be used for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, but she's had a real rough go of it, and so is Adam, and it's the medicine's fault, damn it, because both of them were all, were taking medicine, yeah. right? So that's the common link between them. We all have a simultaneous gasp in our notes because Adam's like, no, 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 after four years on meds, I quit all my meds at once, and <laughs> I just wrote in my notes, homicidally dangerous, homicidally dangerous oh, movie. Oh well, like the, the filmmaker's lawyer made him put in a thing of like, which I've learned is not a good idea at all to do. You shouldn't <laughs> <Yeah>. do that. <laughs> you should not do that. that. But it's fine, guys, because he did a 10-day meditation retreat. Oh, my fucking God. And he came back all fixed and vegan. And which is so crazy. He's literally like, I quit all my meds and then I went on this meditation retreat and I came back and felt great. And it's like, what if you had stayed on your meds and gone to the meditation <laughs> retreat? How much better would you have felt? Sure. Yeah. This is not a controlled study. You can't change two right. variables and then say it's the second variable that caused the outcome. Yes. And he calls this thing that helped him the homeopathic meditative approach. And look, he doesn't say I started taking a bunch of homeopathic bullshit, but I think that's the giveaway that he started taking a bunch of homeopathic bullshit on that meditation right. retreat. Either that or like a lot of people, he doesn't know what the word homeopathic right, actually just, means. Right. Thinks it and means he just thinks it means natural. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Held hands with a dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So then our story takes us to the mountains of northern India where we meet a monk that went into a trance and channeled an oracle and the trance obviously was a seizure of some sort, right? Right. Or this guy watched a fucking magic trick slash postmodern theater performance and was like, I am watching a very good alternative to mental health care right here. This is <laughs> going to bring some of this back to the U.S. Yeah. Well, and, and the story is really kind of scary, right? Because he's like, well, you know, this guy started having these seizures when he was a kid and everybody thought something was wrong with him. But then the monk said he was seeing visions. And so they took him in and started, you know, turning a profit off of him. And we're like, wait, what? And then that's over. <laughs> we move on. Well, and like my interpretation is like, OK, so this if this monk had a neurological disorder, like if he actually had like a legitimate seizure disorder and these weren't functional, I shouldn't say legitimate. That's unfair. If he had if he had epilepsy and he wasn't having a functional neurological disorder, then I hope that they got him in to see a neurologist. If these were a manifestation of his mental illness, fine. They interpreted it within the frame of their beliefs. If he's not suffering, great. But if he is suffering, if he's being exploited, they're leaving that out of the conversation. And that's the important point here. Right. Yes. There's nothing wrong with interpreting mental illness within the frame of your culture and your beliefs. That is what mental illness is. Mental illness is a label that we utilize within the frame of your culture and your beliefs. But if he needs help and he's not getting help, that's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. And playing pretend only gets you so far, right? The thing, the thing that this movie will talk about over and over again, and this monk is just the first of the many shamans we'll meet throughout this right. photographer's journeys. But like, the problem is that if it is a mental illness, right, and the bottom falls out of the play pretend protections yep. that are built into that culture, there's no other alternative. It's not right. like the monks are like, Oh no, he's actually like really mentally ill. I guess we should um, we should take him to St. Barnabas. Yeah, no, St. Barnabas has really good. No, they're just like, hey man, you're supposed to be channeling the dead leopard or whatever the fuck so, hey, yeah. decided <laughs> you're doing. Yeah, so then, then we meet Sandra Ingerman, whose Chiron identifies her as marriage and family therapist, author, shamanic practitioner. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and honestly, this part like pissed me off. It's just a little thing, but whatever. It said Sandra Ingerman, comma, M.A. 
A, mm-hmm. marriage and family therapist, author, shamanic practitioner. If she were an actual licensed marriage and family therapist, it would say MFT or MFLT. Oh, really? So like, basically she has a master's degree in something. Oh, wow. And then just, <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. So like, yep. that was like, really not cool. She's like, just hoping we don't know what letters mean. We were like, right, no, there's like, an M there. <laughs> it's like somebody being like, I'm a physician. And then they're, they're, they have, it's like so-and-so comma PhD English literature. No, right. Like, yeah, you can't yeah, do yeah. that. You can't do that. Right. Yeah. She introduces herself by saying that when you have a psychotic episode, it can literally blow your mind. And I wrote in my notes, I mean, not literally, Sandra, that's what the word, <laughs> come on. Yeah. No, but she's like, you know, when we have a spiritual experience, people often mistake that for mental illness. And I'm like, oh, well, you can fuck all the way off the side of the earth with that bullshit. (laughs) Also, by definition, that's not true. By definition, in the DSM, if it has a religious valence or the individual identifies it as part of their culture, their religion, their spirituality, you can't diagnose it. That's the opposite of what she said. If somebody comes to me and they said that they communed with their God and they heard visions or they saw something like in a dreamlike state, that's not enough for me to diagnose them with having had a psychotic episode. Right. No, that's fair. I cannot diagnose that. Yeah, Yeah. that's just, that's culturally bound. Right. Despite the rhetoric we have over on Scathing Atheist. Yeah, that's not what that (laughs) word means. Yeah. I mean, look, two thirds of this podcast are pretty sure it's a psychotic episode. <laughs> One of us by is definition, a by definition, the mental health profession can't diagnose it, and she's literally saying that most of the time, what we diagnose is that. Right, exactly, exactly, and this, and for good reason. So we also meet Roger Walsh here from his Wikipedia page. I, I have to quote you this: Walsh is respected for his view on psychoactive drugs and altered states of consciousness in relation to religious spiritual experiences. Citation needed. <laughs> <laughs> White people, white people, <gasps> we got to just start doing DMT, okay? You, so, okay. It can't always <laughs> be a career path. Just just do drugs sometimes. You just got to do drugs sometimes. Sometimes. Is this the guy who literally says that, and he lists countries, right? He's like India, I don't remember, some other country. And then he says Africa, like it's a country. Yeah, the country of Africa. Country. Yeah. No, that's, I know. that's Gabor Mate. Fucking, oh, we're not to get, oh, is, no. it, was it Gabor? No, 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 no it, was it wasn't. It was, it was the other guy. It was the other oh, guy. Oh, so, right. so, nice. yeah, yeah, go ahead and carry So he literally lists a list of countries with Africa in the list, yes. which is infuriating because there are 54 fucking countries in Africa. And then he says <laughs> that these countries are the best place to, quote, be schizophrenic. First of all, legitimate what? practitioners don't say schizophrenic. They say to have schizophrenia because that's fucking pejorative. Secondly, but I already said Africa is not a country. And third, there is a ton of evidence showing example after example of schizophrenia being deeply stigmatized in a handful of African countries. Yes. Including people being accused of witchcraft and being shackled and held in cages. Literally, a Human Rights Watch report in 2020 showed that 60 different countries, in 60 different countries, people with mental illness are shackled or caged. Jesus. The U.S. is not on that list. And by the way, we started Vulgarity for Charity, our annual fundraiser, because there's an entire please don't burn your mentally ill family member organization that needed money. Yes. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So how is it that going there is better if you have schizophrenia? I'm not saying we're perfect here, but that is fucking bullshit and it's disingenuous and it pisses me off. You don't have to hang out with Roger Walsh in Africa, at least. Right, yeah. Jesus. 
Right. We also meet Gabor Mate. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but but he strikes me as a as a person who is a probably very problematic on his own, and b <laughs> also didn't know what he was getting into with his bullshit documentary. Like, because he's not. I don't think he's this bad. He was the guy who like made a lot of press. I think it was last year when he publicly diagnosed Prince Harry with PTSD, ADHD, and depression based on reading his book and interviewing him for a TV show, and then like live on television gave him his diagnosis. Yeah, you can't do that. No. Yeah. And Prince Harry was like, thank you for that. <laughs> he also has written, before we feel too bad for him, first of all, he opened the Ark of the Covenant just a little bit. I don't know when he did it, but his eye bags know that he did. <laughs> and he he's written extensively about how all mental illness comes from trauma. And so on his controversies page is a bunch of his patients being like, hey, man, stop. You're fishing. Stop it. You're fishing. And he's like, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Maybe it was a very hard fall of your bicycle. Come on, give me something <laughs> to work with here. God. Yeah. But no, but again, he he is correct that when he says that tribal societies are better equipped to handle mental illness because of the structure of those societies, not because their religion is better than our medicine, though, which is what this movie is implying. Right. And also, yeah, like not be they don't have access to it's like the people might be better equipped from a social you know, safety net perspective. They are not better equipped from an access to mental health care perspective. Yes, right. It's not like if we flew Kara down in a helicopter and we were like, do you guys want to keep singing a song with your cousin or do you want the doctor to do something? They'd be like, get her the fuck out of here. We are doing our song thing. Right. We love this. Well, so what, what occurred to me as I was watching this is like, look, if we lived in a, in a country that didn't have hospitals and doctors and you couldn't go to an emergency room, we would probably all know first aid better Right. That doesn't mean that's the preferable situation, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, I have a pillow that needs screamed into, so we're going to pause for a break, but we'll be back in a hurry with even more Crazy Wise. Okay. Hmm. This this is why, in conclusion, there is no... Kara. Eli. Noah, what, what are you doing here? Well, we heard you were defending your thesis and we wanted to help. We made you soup. Why is it in a cloth bag? Well, you know, we figured with how hard you've been working, you probably haven't had a home-cooked bag of soup in forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's true. But guys, I'm actually eating great thanks to Factor. What's Factor? Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. I don't know, Kara. A meal kit... Doesn't all that chopping and cooking take up more time? Well, not with Factor. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. Like being a dead people dentist, exactly. But don't those get a little samey? Not at all. With Factor, you can choose from 34 plus weekly flavor packed dietitian approved meals, all ready to eat in two minutes. All right, Kara, I'm convinced. Where do I sign up? Head to factormeals.com slash awful50 and use code awful50 to get 50% off. That's code awful50 at factormeals.com slash awful50 for 50% off. All right. I'm going to throw this bad boy in the freezer if you need it later. Please don't do that. Oh, a little bit got on the freezer. God. A lot of bit, actually. Uh-huh. Because it's a bag. Yeah. And then I said to her, actually, mom, the people of the new Nakati tribe have been naturally healing their diabetes for years. Wow. 
Has this ever happened to you? Are you sick and tired of living under the oppression of the Western world and ready to embrace the natural life of a simpler time? Hi, I'm Tony D from Tony D's House of Poverty Tourism. What's poverty tourism? I'm so glad you asked. At Tony D's House of Poverty Tourism, we let spoiled Westerners confused by a mix of bad information and postmodern self-effacement access the resources that our planet's most desperately poor have no choice but to resort to. We've got healing herbs, medicinal practices that provably do nothing, and pretending you're getting better while an old lady sings a song. I used to have to take a boring pill out of a bottle every day. But with Tony D's House of Poverty Tourism, I can also do a thing I saw a clip of on TV and then take the pill. Tony D's House of Poverty Tourism. Rush to innocence, not the pharmacy. And we're back for more of this shit. We're going to rejoin the action with a support group for what this movie's going to call mental health system survivors. Because that's the term we use for sexual assault survivors. They mm-hmm. they took mm-hmm. it because it's theirs now. It's like an assault. Yeah. God. This is where we meet Will Hall, who I have as poor man's Paul Rudd. <laughs> He's also an anti-psychiatric medicine crusader. Mm-hmm. I accidentally paused it on their planning meeting, like when we see them planning their little, like, we're the survivors of psychology or whatever plan, and they have a sign behind them that says, why not leave it to experts? And then, like, a fucking pros and cons list about why it's okay <laughs> see, for them to kill why people not to leave it to experts. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's fucking amazing. Wow. So, Will Hall shares his story. He was suicidal, and the mental health system made it worse. He's worse than suicidal now. Right. They locked him in and strapped him down, even though he wasn't hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's how, that's what you do. Right. Carrie, you just walk in and immediately strap people down and shackle them. Yeah. I don't use restraints. I never have. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what was going on with this guy. Well, and that's such careful language. Right. Very clearly on purpose. He's like, and they restrained me, even though I was not physically attacking anyone at that specific <laughs> moment in time. <laughs> 12, 10 right, p.m. Yeah. on June 20th. And you're like, oh, OK. He also didn't say whether or not he was hurting himself, which is a right. concern for sure. Right. Yeah. So much of this anti-psychiatry stuff when it comes from the like victim of psychiatry thing is just a person who's like, well, I got into a raised voices argument with my therapist in 1992 and now it's my job. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I also, in this situation, again, he says that he was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. So this is yet another character in this documentary with schizoaffective disorder, which again is a pretty severe mental illness. I treat people with schizoaffective disorder disorder currently. And yes, they struggle with their meds. It's really hard to dial in their meds. But I can tell you from a lot of experience and exposure, they struggle so much more without their meds. Right. Yeah. Because these these people are all going by a sample size of one. Right. I was going to say, we we should point out that Kara has more than one anecdote. So she <laughs> technically wins according to this movie system. <laughs> right. <laughs> And there's one other moment that I have to talk about. He explains that they treated him like a second class citizen when they diagnosed him. And like, hey, not to downplay how the mentally ill are treated in society, because, again, that's a real problem. But maybe us white guys lay off the Ekin class citizens, say, speak. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like maybe that's not <laughs> yeah, our term right. to use. We're about to cut over to back to the 
African-American lady who's dealing with schizoaffective. Maybe we don't call ourselves second-class citizens. And also the way he described his interaction was like super person-centered. He was like, I went in and other than the thing where they he said that they restrained him when he first got there because he was having an active psychotic episode, he was like, I was there. They put me on some meds. After I stabilized, they sat me down. They were like, listen, you have a really serious mental illness and it's going to take a lot of therapy and it's going to take a lot of Medicaid. And I'm like, what, what are they, what's wrong? Right, right, right. That sounds exactly like what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Like a really kind of humanistic in, interaction with his therapist who's talking to him like, you know, an equal partner. Like, it was just really weird. He's like, it was horrible. And then he goes on to describe like a kind of pleasant interaction. Right. Well, and then we get this series of people all listing their diagnoses. And I don't know what the hell point they're trying to make except for like, you know, like, I, I guess, well, there are a bunch of diagnoses and therefore psychologists don't know what the fuck they're talking about, I guess. I'm sorry, stomach cancer and liver cancer. Can we get these things straight? They <laughs> way they're all in different parts of the body. Jesus. Yeah, no idea what they were going for there. And then they start shitting on the DSM. And again, like you said, there's plenty of good reasons to shit on the DSM, right? But like that, but you don't like then decide that all of psychology is bullshit. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the thing too. They shit all over the DSM, but they don't bring up like the ICD, the International Classification of Diseases. They only want to talk about the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. We use both. And the ICD has way more diagnoses in it because it has every disease that you can diagnose in medicine. Yet somehow it's not okay to use a Diagnostics and Statistical Manual in psychiatry, but like they're not going to touch the ICD with a 10-foot pole. Right. Because they can't slippery slope their way into, well, we might as well not have medical diagnoses. Right. Like, it's infuriating too. I think the biggest argument that really pisses me off is that, yes, pathologization is a problem. I do agree that the DSM has probably so many things in it that you could... You shouldn't be able to, but it's kind of like the first year med student, you know, disease where like they read it and they're like, I have that, I have that, I have that. Yeah, right, Obviously, right. they don't actually qualify for the diagnosis. But here's the thing. Our managed care system requires that we actually pathologize certain diagnoses because if we didn't have it in the DSM, you wouldn't get reimbursement for it. Of course. Your insurance would not pay for you to go to a grief counselor if you didn't have a diagnosis. Right. That's how it works. And I I love this here because poor man's Paul Rudd, call, he says that the DSM is a sophisticated way of not listening to people as though Kara's just sitting there with it on her lap being like, one second, no, no. Ha, found you, found you right here. <laughs> you did say that. I put a lot of question marks. Only if you're a garbage practitioner. That's like saying the tongue depressor is a sophisticated way of not listening to patients. It's a tool. Right. It's not an oracle. It's not a fucking oracle. They would probably prefer we use an oracle. Yeah, they would definitely. Well, right, yeah, exactly. They're going to recommend fucking oracles here in a minute. Yeah. Exactly. It's a tool. Like, come on. So then we do another sit down with Adam. And this is where we learn. So, so Adam was going to these meditation retreats and he was like, oh yeah, no, these are curing my mental illness. And then he had a psychotic episode while he was at a meditation retreat and they're like, oh, you have a real problem. We don't we don't do real problems here, yeah. man. I'm sorry. And like, hey, credit to that meditation retreat. This guy was like, hey, I'm curing my schizophrenia here and it's not taken that well this time. And they were like, oh no, you need to go get real medical care. We're for bored hippies and Eli to sit still for 10 days. Like this is not <laughs> yeah. what you're here to do. 
Yeah, you yeah, know, they show us the letter that's like, oh, no, obviously bullshit medicine only cures bullshit problems. So, <laughs> yeah. But this is also where he said he says he had a traumatic memory resurface, which I don't know. Like, I, I that's a red flag to me, right? Yeah, like, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Yeah. But he says he, he had a traumatic memory resurface of his grandfather molesting him and also his dad. But then he takes that one back later. Yeah. Too. So... And the movie, by the way, will spend the rest of the film being like, oh, well, trust me, his grandpa definitely molested him and will save, not to spoil the film or anything, will save the fact that actually he admits no, thinking his dad molested him was just a delusion he was having until the end of the movie for the fucking breakfast club clothes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we meet this guy. I have him down as motivational speaker, Steve Buscemi. <laughs> this is um, Daniel Siegel. Oh, Dan Siegel. I've read a lot of Dan Siegel's work, actually. He's like kind of, he's he's sort of legitimate, but I disagree with a lot of what he says. Well, he developed the field of interpersonal neurobiology, Kara. I he don't did. Know, yeah. know that, but according to Wikipedia. I do know that. Have you considered developing the field of interpersonal neurobiology? I have read the book of interpersonal neurobiology. I don't know oh, really into it. Yeah, I disagree. Again, I disagree with a lot of it, but I, but I agree with a lot of what he says, too. Like, I don't think he realized that he was going to be in this movie. <laughs> Absolutely, because this guy, yeah. this guy mostly is like communities are important yes. and mental illness gets worse when you don't treat it. And like, yeah, only this movie is contending that like communities are on one side of the fence and medicine is on the <laughs> other. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and, and he even like kind of gives away the game that he doesn't know what kind of movie he's in, because at one point he says, well, you know, of course, medication can be essential. And I'm like, I'm surprised the movie didn't just bleep that out. <laughs> right, Seriously. Yeah. It's like they keep starting to make points and then they don't finish them. Like they're like, psychiatry bad, psychosis good? Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, is this, is mm. this what, I don't know what this movie is about. I don't know what this movie is about. So frustrating. And they, well, they're they're trying to be as slippery as possible about it, right? So that you can't right, right. later say what it was about. So you can't make a podcast making fun of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we check back in and on Akaya. She tells us about like her, like the way that her mental health issues strained her friendships and how she lost friends over them and stuff. We meet her her former best friend Maya. Yeah, and this movie definitely, definitely blames Maya for not being her fucking volunteer mental health counselor. Oh, yeah. Right. Super fucked. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and then they, they, we, we meet another one of her friends. It, it seemed weird that we were making such a big deal out of her old friends, but I think that that was the, sort of this movie's way of saying, so if you've got a friend who has mental health issues, it's your job to be their therapist or whatever, right? Like that's yes. so right. much of yes. what they're saying. That's so what they're saying. I literally wrote that. Are they mad at Maya for being a friend and not a therapist? Yeah. Why doesn't Akaya have a therapist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, right. All right, so that we we cut back over to Adam. He's living in his car, but he's found a, a coffee shop that accepts him like he is. So he's doing all right. <laughs> hey, did you oh, want to yeah. hate a hippie coffee shop by the end of this documentary? <laughs> well, get ready everybody, here it comes. Cuz look, I have visited my wife's hometown multiple <laughs> times. I have seen dozens of variations of this coffee shop as we pass to and from locations at our Seattle live shows, right? <laughs> These hippies are just like, blah, blah, blah. I got a tribal tattoo when I went to Burning Man. Oh, Eli, it literally, there's a sign up that says Wednesday night is astrology night. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but like, 
this movie accidentally proves the harm on just bullshitting about whatever the fuck you want, right? Because I'm sure they just walked up to these patchouli-covered hippies and were like, what do you think about that guy Adam who sits out front and plays drums? And they're like, yeah, man, what he needs is love, sweet love. Yep, right. right. No one sat them down and was like, hey, just so you know, we're actually using you as a substitute for medical intervention, right? (laughs) These motherfuckers can't get a bank account, let alone fucking medical intervention. Well, yeah, right. They interview his barista and she's like, well, I think that, you know, the the psychologists have it wrong when it comes to Adam. I'm like, why the fuck would anybody care what you think? (laughs) That's what I wrote. Why do I give a shit what this coffee shop owner thinks about mental illness? (laughs) Right. Why the hell do you think you get a vote on this shit? (laughs) Look, I've spent a lot of time around nut milks and I can tell you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Psychoactive disorders aren't real. (laughs) So then we meet Robert Thurman. He's professor of Buddhist studies at Columbia. So he's also an expert in mental health. Yes, obviously. Right. This is the guy who's like, well, maybe society is crazy. I'm like, okay, dude, but that's like metaphorical. Okay. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Right. Stop, man. Like, that's what I'm talking. So much of this movie is just, you have to stop though, because there's an actually mentally ill person in the movie. Right. 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 Like you can't, you can't do your like, maybe we're the crazy. It's like, no, he, Adam, that guy, he's the crazy one. We found him. He needs your help. Stop (laughs) using him as a metaphor. Please. Yeah. But in case Robert Thurman was too credible, we also meet Roshi Joan Halifax, Buddhist teacher, Zen priest, and anthropologist. That's not a protected term. You can just call yourself one of those. You can just say that. Yeah. He's a study of (laughs) fucking apologists. You can be a Zen priest? I thought those things were like in conflict with each other. No, no. You can be a Zen priest. Oh, okay. All right. Sure can. You can be be a Zen priest and my aunt at the same time. (laughs) Oh, good to know. There's stories. They're fun. So, yeah, but she's like, you know, I'm not against doctors or medicine or hospitals. I just inhibit them professionally is all. (laughs) Right. Is this the same woman who's like, isolation is bad for your mental health? It's like, yeah, nobody's arguing that that's not true. Right, right. Yeah, who's prescribing isolation? (laughs) so Well, except for maybe Adam's meditation retreat, you know? (laughs) Right, exactly. Right. We also get a a quick visit with John Reed here. He's a Mm -hmm. very famous anti-ECT guy. He's the uh, Andrew Wakefield of ECT, if you will. Oh, no. Okay. He informs us that when people hear voices, only in the West do we think it's bad. Yeah. Right. He's like, you know, in the East, they think it's it means that you're magic. And I'm like, or cursed by demons, dude. Right. Also, just a magnificently racist thing to say. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Yeah. You know, no, let me tell you, anyone whose eyes do the they love hearing voices. It's like free AirPods to <laughs> oh, them. Jesus they Christ. love it. Jesus Christ. He also does that bullshit thing again where he's like, but here. Everybody just thinks mental illness is biological and you should just medicate it. And I'm like, literally nobody thinks that. Nobody thinks literally that. Literally yeah. nobody thinks that mental illness is only biological and that it only requires medication. We literally use something called the biopsychosocial model. That sounds like more than just and medication. And the diathesis yeah. stress model. It yeah, sounds like it's yeah. more than, yeah. It's all the things. It's therapy. It's social support. It's all the things. Well, and then so uh, then we have to meet this this Native American guy. And first of all, it, like I love the introduction. He's like, so I was mentoring Native American photographers one day. And I'm like, oh, dude, cool. you're like Eli when he got done working that, like doing the volunteer work at that soup kitchen, trying to work it into conversation. <laughs> Just calm down. 
Spoon, spoon. You know what that reminds me of? <laughs> yeah, right. It's crazy. But no, but, and this is something we're going to see. This is going to become a bit of a theme of the last half of this documentary, right? Because this guy's like, yeah, you know, he was having uh, psychotic episodes. And so they took him to a medicine man who said, ah, you should be a medicine man. I'll train you for a very small fee. You know, do we won't do it? Just I'll take a little bit of percentage of your for low, low price of ninety nine yeah. ninety five. Yeah, right. And he's and, and, and then that guy explains that if you are called to be a medicine man and you don't answer it, that can manifest as a mental illness that could kill you. Yeah. So, you know, what? Yeah, that's the point that this guy's making. Guys, I never even considered that I should be a medicine man. Let's do this thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we check back in with Akaya. She talks about how she she was in a a mental hospital after her first suicide attempt. She was in a mental hospital for six weeks. And then she was referred to a homeless shelter after that. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's fucking awful. It really is absolutely terrible that that's the help that we can offer in this country. Yeah, no, it's. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. This is like, what is the point of this scene? She basically says at the end that she knew she attempted suicide and then she woke up in hospital and she knew that a higher power wanted her to be alive. And hey, if that is how she makes meaning, sure. if she uses religion to make meaning, that is valid for her. Whatever it takes. But to be clear, to be clear, the reason she survived is because they saved her life in the hospital. Right. right. That higher power <laughs> was an EMT on a smoke break. But, you know, right. it's cool. You, you yeah, exactly. And- exactly. Right. Yeah. God did not intervene there. Yeah. Take that credit away. So then we cut to Adam singing. And if you want me to stop sympathizing with the guy, that's a great start. <laughs> right. Oh, it's Whew. so bad. It's so bad. I feel bad saying that, but it's like probably I haven't done all the episodes. I've only done a handful of the episodes. <laughs> and there's a lot of bad music in these movies. But wow, was this bad. And they like. They let it go on for too long. Yeah, they really mm-hmm. leaned into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we meet Albert Violdo, Violdo, I guess. He tells us about the way of the wounded healer. He reinforces this idea that if you have a mental illness, that's really a calling and that you're supposed to be a healer. Right. Right. And then you get seven healers under you and then each of them has <laughs> 70 healers under them. And then you're yeah. crazy healthy. <laughs> Yeah, and we also like briefly flash over to Adam's friend who like just very clearly hung out with him for a while and was like, yeah, no, Adam recommended meditation. And I found that useful as a non-mentally ill person who had had difficult experiences. And they were like psychic healing powers transmitted through ancient bloodlines. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Also, to be fair, I think a point that we need to make here is that meditation is a psychological intervention. Like, does the filmmaker not know that we use medi- mindfulness practice in psychology all the time? Sure the fuck doesn't. <laughs> Very clearly. Like it's an evidence-based treatment. Like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. This is also where Crazy Lady chimes in to really give us the hardcore crazy here, right? She's like, how can we see psychotic breaks as a bad thing? They release the angels. And she also says, there wouldn't be Buddha or Jesus without psychotic breaks. And I wrote in my notes, I mean, I agree with you, lady, but I don't think I agree with you in the way you made it. (laughs) But but what a fantastically privileged thing to say for this middle-class white lady who doesn't have a mental illness, right? Right. Jesus. Yeah. But this is this is also the part of the story where Akaya finds bullshit, right? Like she mm-hmm. finds some kind of bullshit. You can wish magic your way out of mental illness. Or actually, I don't know, right? Because the way that they presented it actually could have been a good service that she found. You know, the, the documentary is trying to be really coy about what she is and isn't doing. Right. right. It's like she went to a community center where she like painted and made music. 
And she said in it, I did this through the cloud of medication. So she's literally saying, I'm still taking my meds. Then I went and found social support. So she's doing all the things that are recommended in well-rounded treatment for mental illness. And they gave her a job. Yeah. (laughs) Right? The truth of the matter is they keep showing us this sign about like healing spiritual circles and showing her sitting in front of a candle. But like, truth of the matter is the reason these things work is because of community and having a social support network. Sure. That's what she found. And the fact that Meisters are trying to claim this in opposition to medicine while she's telling us she was taking medicine is so fucking infuriating. Well, especially because they're turning a profit off of it, right? Like if this was just some community service they were offering, but these people are selling this shit. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So and there's also John Reed comes in and explains to us that with all our sophisticated methods and medicines, only one third of people diagnosed with schizophrenia in our country recover. But in tribal societies where they don't actually diagnose it, the recovery rate is way higher. It's I, I, how the fuck I know that is beyond anyone's reckoning. But I <laughs> I left so hard when his second half of that sentence was way higher. I almost <laughs> yeah. fell out of my when he was like, yeah, it's one third here and there it is. More bitter than this. (laughs) You can quote me on that. I'm a doctor. Yeah. (laughs) So then we also, we we meet Carol Dunham, who bills herself as a medical anthropologist. She lives in Nepal. And it's a good thing, too, because if she lived in the West, she'd have been diagnosed with a mental illness and locked away or something. Even though she doesn't, yeah, she doesn't describe what any of that is. And she makes, it pisses me off because she makes a lot of good points. And this is like, not not that was not her good point, but she does make a lot of good points. This is that thing you see all the time with pseudoscience, where there's this sheen of legitimacy. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're making all of these arguments that anybody who works in mental health would make about having well-rounded sort of multidimensional intervention. Yet somehow, instead of just being like, let's have an inclusive approach to care, they go... Therefore, meds are bad. And I'm like, where are you getting that? Well, and what's so funny is that they are often sneaking in the back door of like, we just want people to have a holistic approach and also use our ideas. And then the minute they get in the door, they're like, you got to get off those fucking meds, man. It is our ideas or the fucking highway. Mm -hmm. Yep. Ugh. So dangerous. And also this whole time, again, the privilege here is just disgusting because we're we're looking at these like just obscenely poor Nepalese farmers. And we're supposed to be going, those lucky bastards not having to Man. put up with the curse of Western medicine. Free. Oh, yeah. Subsistence farming the dream. Am I right, everyone? Yeah, right. Haven't you always wished you were a rainstorm away from freezing to death? <laughs> let's, get in it. let's get it going, everybody. God. Also, you know what? To be fair, that really does piss me off. And it reminds me that throughout this film, he goes to these different countries and then he talks about it as if the people in the country are experiencing this thing. But he's only going very often into very rural tribal communities. Right. So he's talking about these things that are happening in very, very small tightly bound communities. And then he's applying it to the whole country as if these countries like Nepal don't have a healthcare system. Right. No yeah, like, you know, just, it's like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Just bundles of grass that everyone eats for breakfast. Also, he keeps switching between communities like they all believe the same exactly. thing. 
exactly because right. they're all just they're all just brown people. He's basically right. like the brown people believe in magic. Nepal, Mongolia, Ecuador, Native Americans, no difference. All the same. By the end of the movie, he might as well be like, you know, bullshit. Come on, poor people. You know, poor people who would slit my throat for a chance to live with the luxury that I live with. And damn, they're doing magic. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, it's a speaking of which, like right at that very moment, we like we slide from Nepal to Ecuador, like, you know, just next door over here in Ecuador. Because he wanted to write off a lot of travel, I guess. But but he's hanging out with this Amazonian tribe, and he explains that uh, you know they don't want this medicine like we've got. They're happy with their roots and their meditation practices and their fucking shape shifting into jaguars. Oh, the jaguar thing. We meet this tribe hunting monkeys for food, and his first words about them are. Lucky all the <laughs> monkey they can eat. Oh, it's awesome here. Yeah. Yeah. This scene is so weird to me. They they claim that this guy, this uh, medicine practitioner is shape-shifting and taking on the spirit of a jaguar. And so he like films him making these weird noises, but really I think he's just sleeping. Right, it's just like a and half he's just filming snore. him snoring. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes, exactly. He's <laughs> yeah. like trust us it looks like he's just dreaming, but uh that's uh magical. It's magical dreaming that he's doing ja- right there. It's jaguar breath. Jaguar dream. Jaguar breath. So. Yeah. All right, well, I'll tell you what, that whole segment left my room smelling like patchouli. I need to take a break and air it out, but first let me give act 3 the hard sell. Will this movie make another good point about the failing of America's mental health system? Will this movie then shit on it with woo? Will this movie then repeat? Find out the answers to these questions and more when we return for the insidious conclusion of Crazy Wise. Sure, I'll have a cuppa. No, no, Kara, it's not sure. It's all right then. All right then, of course. Thanks. Hey guys, what, what you doing? Oh, didn't you hear, Noah? Kara's coming with us to QED this year. I mean, I'm not coming with you. I just happen to be speaking there also. Oh, mean distinction to draw. Anyway, we've been brushing up on her Manchestian. Manchestian? I think it's Chestamanian. Oh, Marpal. Guys, that. look, that's, well, that's nothing. But if you want a great way to learn a new language, why don't you just try Babbel? What's Babbel? This summer, you can start speaking a new language with Babbel. Why Babbel? Because it works. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or fooling yourself with language apps that are little more than games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. It's true. Anna started using Babbel to practice her French when they became a sponsor. She loves how she learns real-world conversational needs and how their speech recognition technology helps with her pronunciation and accent. I don't know, Noah. Is there a special limited-time deal for our listeners? Oh, now there are listeners. Interesting. There sure is. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash awful. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash awful, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash awful. Rules and restrictions may apply. Babbel, because sometimes Andy Wilson is too beautiful to understand. Dude, he speaks English. No, I get it. I get it. Thank you. Yeah. So I just drink it? You just drink it down, clean you right out. Huh. Guys, what are you doing in my laundry room? Oh, hey, Kara, I'm taking an insides bath. Oh, I 
feel like I'm going to regret asking this, but what is an insides bath? Oh, yeah. So I was showering this morning, right? And I slipped and fell and it like really hurt. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. So there I am, like wet and hurting and Noah walks in and he's like, hey, did you know you can actually skip all that by just drinking a little bit of laundry detergent? It's true, you can. I'm not going to ask why Noah walked in on you in the shower, but I also need to tell you that, Eli, you can't do that. That's really dangerous. Uh, wow, Kara. Maybe you didn't hear me, but I slipped and fell and it hurt me. Yeah. I mean, have a little empathy, okay? Nope. No, I am empathetic that you had a bad time with the traditional shower experience, but drinking laundry detergent will harm you. It will actively do you harm. I don't know. Will it? Is it crazy to think that maybe the way we shower is wrong? Like, I think it's really unfair the double standards women are held to about personal grooming. I think you can drink laundry detergent to bathe, and I think Black Lives Matter. No, no, you you can't just squeeze a bad, dangerous idea in between two good ideas. Wow. Kara thinks black lives don't matter. That is what I am going to behave like I heard as well, Noah. Oh my God, you guys. Look, it is really important that you understand this. Systems are not perfect, but the answer to those problems is never dangerous bullshit. It's never, ever dangerous bullshit. I mean... Typical white woman. I yeah, I was going to say, yeah. You guys are both white men. Or are we? Yeah. Yes, you are. Well, I, I'm pretty tan. Oh. Ooh, is that something? No. I think it's something. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. And we're back for still more of this shit. We're going to rejoin Adam in Hawaii just in case his story wasn't sad enough. We're going to layer on some sad. Well, and it's worth pointing out, right, that like 20 minutes ago, this movie was like what he actually needed was the community of a coffee shop. And the minute that coffee shop doesn't show up for him, the movie's like, oh, yeah, I guess a coffee shop probably isn't a, like a complete and robust social network. But <laughs> I don't know, was, no backsies, no backsies from what we said earlier. Yes. So Adam was going to house sit for somebody in Hawaii, gets to Hawaii and that falls through. So like, fuck that guy. Jesus Christ, that can't be a thing that falls through. <laughs> so he winds up in Hawaii and then he gets he was attacked and he was beaten and his mom got terminal cancer all in the matter of like 90 seconds of the documentary. Yeah, right. And I want to be clear because Adam says something very important here. He says that the reason he is not going home is because his family want him to get medical care so they, his words, don't accept him. Yeah. Right. And he literally says, I can't be there for her. I wish I could, but I can't because they don't accept me. Ooh. Right. And to be clear, what he means is, I won't go there because they'll ask me to take medicine. Instead of using a homeopathy. Right. Because he's probably having active psychotic episodes in their home. Yes. Well, and, and they're worried about him. Right. And at this point in the movie, keep in mind that he is still maintaining that his grandfather, father and mother molested him. Oh, yeah. I don't think right. he really harped on that that much. Yeah. Because he was like influenced by, I guess, who told him that? Did he like have some sort of dream that that happened? Yeah, it, it was a recovered memory. So I'm sure that showed up at one of these stupid fucking meditation retreats or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's like completely illegitimate that like no mental health professional in like right now would do that. 
Yeah, well, and, and look, as sad as this story is, like, yeah, imagine this if we, if we were watching a documentary about his mom, who, again, it's it, it, they're not like saying he's not saying they won't let me come home until I'm on medicine. Right. He's saying they will harp on me while I'm there to try to take medicine instead of just using, you know, fucking music therapy or whatever bullshit thing I've convinced myself is all I need. So his mom is like dying and he won't show up to say uh, goodbye. Yeah, and spoiler alert, the end of the movie is proof of what Noah just said, but we'll get yep. to it. We'll get to <laughs> yeah. it when we get to it. Yeah, so, but first we have to meet Kristen McKinnon, the founder of Families Healing Together. I can't with this lady. Oh, God. <laughs> so she goes, psychiatrists are, aren't trained on how to have hope. They're trained on how to diagnose you, but not on how to have hope. I'm like, so first of all, Kara, is that true? And secondly, how would one train someone to have hope? <laughs> right. She literally says at one point, she goes, families need to be educated on their loved one's strengths. We spend so much time educating them on their mental illnesses, but not on their strengths. And I'm like, educated? Families are the experts on their loved one's strengths. Right, yeah. What is she talking about? I don't need you. Who are you? You can't tell me the strengths of the people that I'm close. I know that better than you. I'm the expert on that. But imagine if they did. Imagine if you went into the doctor's office and you were like, yeah, I mean, Timmy's been having these terrible screaming visions of demons and hears voices. And, and the doctor was like, did you know what a gifted drummer your son is? Yeah, You'd right. Like, He's oh, really good. Well, at, all right. He can count a lot of toothpicks real quick. What? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Right. No, and look, again, like there is a, a an important point here that families generally are not good at dealing with mental illness. It's really hard. To, and I think as a society, we do a, a piss poor job of preparing and helping families who are in that situation. Sure. Yes. But she's making the opposite argument. She's saying we are good at training families about the mental illness, but we're not good at teaching them about their strengths. Right. Yeah, right. And, and also there's just this constant conflation of psychiatry with psychology that makes me batty. I see this. It was in the last anti-fucking psychiatry documentary <laughs> that you guys made me watch. I do strengths-based therapy. Of course I do. But that is not the psychiatrist's job. So you're right. That example that you used sounded ludicrous, talking about going into the doctor and seeing if the medication dosage is where it needs to be. But yes, sitting in therapy, I probably would be pointing out how much joy and meaning you get from playing the drums and how we need to you know, make space in our lives for the things that bring us meaning. Right. I don't just sit there and go, you're sick. You're sick. Let's talk about how sick you are. No, I do strengths-based therapy. Kara, you sound fake to me. Can I tell you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I watched an entire documentary by a very good photographer who said opposite. Yeah. So. Yeah. This sounds like you're making it up as you go it along and I want to be the first one brave <laughs> enough to say it to you. So, I can't, I can't. So then we get, we uh, Kaya shows back up to share more of her tragic backstory. That Gabor guy, he comes back on to explain that everything is because of childhood trauma. Right, which again, reinforces the narrative this movie has established that Adam was molested by his entire family. A narrative they will take back four seconds before the end <laughs> yes. of the movie. Right, yep. yep. We also get to meet my favorite expert here. And like, look, again, never give anybody clicks. But this guy, Stanislav Grof, mm -hmm. he wrote LSD Psychotherapy, a book that is literally, have you tried doing acid about it? And look, <laughs> there's a lot of dangerous charlatans in this movie, but I like a wacky one, right? I like a wacky oh, one. This, so this guy, he's the guy who argues that NDEs, when you see the tunnel of light, that's actually a memory of the birth canal. No. <laughs> yes. 
No. Do some, spend some time with Stanislav Grof. You will not regret it, everybody. He's a, he's a god awful movies no. MVP for sure. Oh yeah. No, he's like pharmaceutical companies are evil, and I'm like, yes, but that doesn't mean that heart disease isn't real, dude. <laughs> right. So, but then Akaya shows up for some more sadness. She she tells us about like she had her she had a couple of kids, and then her husband cheated on her. And and left her, and now she's a single mom. And I'm like, I already felt really bad for this lady. You didn't have to tell me that. So we are sold, Ikaya. We feel bad for you. We feel worse that this movie is using you as a prop. Yeah. Yep. And so, and then we check back in with Adam. He's back in Seattle now, back living in his his car some more. He's making the most out of it, I guess. Yeah, he's in a bad place. Yes. Yeah, he's selling weed and the movie does like a huh young business entrepreneur moment, right? <laughs> yes. I was just like, oh, the makers of this movie were really hoping he would end up in the prison system so they could blame that for his mental illness as well. It's the weirdest scene. Like they check in with him and he's living in his car and he literally says like, so for a while I was sober and I was vegan, but now I'm like eating meat and drinking booze and doing drugs all the time. And it's like, why, what is the point of this scene? Yeah. Like, are we, are, is this your argument that he's doing well without intervention? Right. Well, because he's regularly having command hallucinations. Yeah, no, he says like, he's like, the voices tell me to hurt myself and to hurt other people. And I'm like, you really need to take medicine, dude. You should take some I know. Medicine. It's like they just keep reinforcing why we need mental health treatment. It makes, I don't understand this documentary. Right. Like, I get it, man. Fucking puking and anal leakage sucks. But still, though. Yeah. Yeah. I have those things in spite of my medication. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have no idea how hard it is for me to have anal leakage. I work oh, for my Jesus anal Christ. leakage. I'm always sitting in a wet bathing suit. That's what it's like okay, to be me. All right. Okay, all right. Just so you know. So, so then the, the narrator cuts in to share some of our shameful statistics about mental disorders as it applies to prisoners and, and homeless people. And again, yes, these are really bad Statistics made worse by the shit you're doing in this movie, though. Right. Yeah, they like make all these really good points and then they go, no meds. And it's like, no why? Meds. Why is that? the? Oh, God. Because I think we can all agree that as part of the prison mentally ill incarceration system, the biggest problem is that those people got way too much care. I mean, I think yes, we can all agree they all got way too much medical care. Obviously. The weird thing about this documentary is that it would only take like a few mi minutes to recut it into a good documentary. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? A short like, documentary, there's a, there's a, but a good one. Yeah, there's plenty of good information there for a 45-minute you know, movie about what's wrong with our uh, healthcare system. Yeah. Yeah, the problem is there's no, and then this is how we fix it. Because right. they just go, so let's stop treating people. And you're like, mm -hmm. wait, what? Yeah, well, that's, but that's their, this is how we fix it, right? Is to just dismantle this entire system that we have and replace it with shamanism. <laughs> so, and then we meet, I'm probably going to, it can't possibly, his name can't possibly be pronounced gotcha, can it? Peter, I, uh, <laughs> Peter, Peter gotcha. gotcha. That's how it looks. <laughs> that's what it looks like to me. But he was kicked out of the evidence-based medical charity that he started for refusing to adhere to evidence-based practices and embarrassing them, I guess. Oh, you Yikes. hate to see it. Yeah. And then we watched this part where like Adam's trying to get help. He's homeless and he's going to these various charities trying to get housed. 
And the narrator's like, you know, and nobody will house him because they're so prejudiced against his mental illness, which again, very real problem. But then they show him in the interview and he's like, he's like, oh, psychotic rage constantly. Just the, my voice Can't is always stop. telling me to harm my neighbors and everyone that I see. <laughs> right. People who ask me questions, that's my biggest trigger. If you were to ask me <laughs> who I am most likely to harm, it's ladies in black jumpsuits who ask me questions at computers. <laughs> oh, no. That is the real so. thing. They're making a movie with money, right now that could be helping me but instead yeah, right yeah they're gonna <laughs> i could have an apartment right now for one right? day of shooting costs yeah so and then the statistic comes up and, and and again this is an important statistic to point out so kudos to the movie for pointing this out it says like you know three to five percent of violent acts can be attributed to mental disorders which seems crazy high i'd, I'd love to know where that yeah uh, i think statistic that's too high it's yeah. significantly too high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he adds that that people with mental illness are far more likely to be victims of violent crime than to be the perpetrators of violent crime, which, which is correct and important to, to point out. Right? Yeah. And at least they knew they didn't know the numbers on that. They were just like, oh, and by the way, they get way hurt more often than they hurt it's more, people. It's, it's a bigger number. And I feel like they had to, like, it's like the lawyers told them that they had to do that because they literally just shot this whole scene of Adam going like, can I have an apartment? And they're like, well, are there any reasons that you would be at risk and he's like well I am going to set it on fire right yeah. like that is what I do right. I set yes. apartments on fire is that in the lease agreement yeah right. and then they're like well to be clear most people don't set their apartments on fire it's like what is happening right mm -hmm. so he starts reading us because he like writes these like self-hate notes to himself when he's having bad episodes and he starts reading those to us and, and then I guess the filmmaker decides he should burn them dramatically yeah mm -hmm. right so he does that but they don't like they don't go to a fire pit or a barbecue. So he just has this like post-it notes in his hands that are on fire. And you see this moment where he's like, oh, where am I going to put these? I got to set the them grass. somewhere. I don't want to set the I'm grass. Gonna, oh, I'm going to gender reveal party this whole fucking state. Shit. <laughs> I <gotta go. laughs> but yeah, so then we, we go to, we check in with Northern Mongolia and we learn about the extraordinarily lucky people who live in such immense poverty that they can't get within cell range of a doctor. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, the, when they showed the lady riding the reindeer, I was kind of jealous, though. I, I'll admit that. <laughs> that that was pretty cool. Yeah. But we meet a, a healer lady in Mongolia who has a mental illness and she seems to be doing great. Right. Yes. His example of how great it's going is she's like, and hey, at one point she was doing a little magic spell and she fell down, but then she got up. So, you know. Yes, yes. Awesome. It's like a 70-year-old woman a thousand miles from the nearest hospital. They're like, but when she fell down, it was like on, on the soft things. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but they explain that she's like a very attentive healer, and that's probably way better than, than access to, to medicine. Obviously, yeah. Right. They talk about it like she understands that the relationship matters. I'm like, oh, and healthcare providers don't? Sure. Like, I'm so tired of these straw man arguments. Like, I get it. I get it. You're mad that the U.S. healthcare system is capitalist, but they never actually say that, right? Like, right. I'm mad at that too. Let's make this film about that. But no, instead, they make it anti-psychiatry. It's literally like when people conflate, like, being upset with patenting seeds, like things that, Mon or like Monsanto's history of working with these, um, with Agent Orange, they'll like mm. conflate that with the science of GMOs and be like, GMOs are evil. And I'm like, not the same fucking thing. Not the same thing. Yes. You cannot conflate those two things. Right. Big fucking difference. So then we check back in with Akaya. Uh, she's, she's working at this community outreach center, seems to be doing much better. Uh, she 
empathizes with people for a living, which is great, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Also, just to be clear, peer work is incredibly important and its inclusion in this movie, especially as it being inferred like it is a magical exclusive process, is like should be illegal. Right. That would be like if they now introduced Prozac and they were like, and of course, there's a secret and ancient medicine that only we know about <laughs> called Prozac. So, But Will Hall cuts in at this point and he's like, you know, what we're seeing now is the democratization of mental health. And I'm like, that's not a good thing, man. Like not the way you're presenting it. Not when the barista gets a vote. Yeah. Right. right, exactly. Like, literally, he says that we need alternatives to medication and diagnosis. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, he's like, that's really the expertise. No, we need alternatives <laughs> to the scientific method. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. What he's literally saying, right. When, when you swap out mental health for what he means, what he's saying is what we need is the democratization of expertise. Yeah. 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 Right. No, and and I'm glad you pointed that out because like that that alternative to medicine and alternative to diagnosis, they try to like sort of sneak that into the movie because again, they don't ever like come right out and say and medicine is bad, but they but they throw a lot of that shit in there. Mhm. Mm yeah. So, but we, we we learned that Adam did reconcile with his mom before she died of cancer, so there's at least one moment that's not terribly terribly sad. Yeah, he's like she ended up being supportive and it's like, dude, she's always been supportive of you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. This is also where Adam lets us know that that manic episode he had at the very beginning of the movie where he was writing about like the geometry of diamonds and their relationship to God. Now that he thinks about it, that was actually great. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, there's also this moment where he's like, you know, and it was really great. I was with my mom and she really like for the first time listened to me when I told her about my spiritual stuff. And I'm like, dude, you, did you go see your dying mom and make it all about you? Adam, did yes. you really, man? Come on. hundred uh, percent. You hate to see it. Yeah. Yeah, and then his car gets towed and he's living in a campground and I'm like, guys, he's going to be a three-legged puppy by the end of this movie. I'm just I'm just preparing yourself for that emotionally, right? I the every 4 seconds while I was watching this movie, I was googling Adam Crazy Wise dead question mark. Oh god. <laughs> no. yes. Cuz I was like, I can't I don't want to be pop scared by it. I want to yeah, know. Yeah, right, right. But then we, we meet this other woman, uh, Laura Delano. She's an ex-patient and activist who basically says, you know, I was diagnosed with bipolar and I took some medicine and then I thought better of it and I'm fine, which of course sends the message to everybody watching this movie that, yeah, you don't need those meds. Once again, yeah. once again, we've reinforced uh, that. So dangerous. Then we, we traveled to Siberia. Yep, racking up those airline miles. Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. I mean, he wrote <laughs> off a lot of travel. Yeah. But he met a shaman in the place where the word shaman comes from, damn it. And again, you know, identical beliefs to Native Americans and Ecuadorian fucking Amazon tribes and shit. Right. And hey, can I make a bold claim? This old lady, she's in an L shape. I don't think she's an amazing healer. I think if you're in an L shape, your powers are on the fritz. Let me throw that out there. Brave as it is controversial. <laughs> And then, so, and I thought this, this really bothered me too, right? Because this is the part in the movie where Akaya meets a shaman who practices some traditional South African shamanism or whatever, who is going to teach her to be a shaman. And I really want to know how much she's making off of this, right? Because if she's profiting exactly. at all, then this is fucked up. 
Because to be fair, you said she was a South African shaman. She was an American shaman in Baltimore who said yes. that she had divine South African blood. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, we do a cutaway interview where she's like, if you're black, you're from Africa. Africa is where shamans are. I am a shaman. Yeah. Yeah. And Noah, I'm glad you asked how much she paid because I did a little Googling about this priestess lady and she's currently, I mean, I don't know what the full shaman training cost, but she is currently offering Zoom trainings for $499. So my guess is Akaya didn't get it for free, but who knows? Maybe she got it. Maybe she does sliding scale. Poor Akaya. Right. Well, and and then we see we see these ceremonies and I'm just like the whole time I'm looking at the ceremony going, yeah, I can't imagine any way that this could make a mental illness worse. Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. They're like doing exorcisms. Yes. Yeah. They're doing weird spiritual stuff. Right. And I don't mean that in like a weird it's different. I mean that in the like the W.Y.R.D. spiritual stuff as in there. <laughs> they're like invoking demons and mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Which is yeah. really bad to do. But even if if even if they were doing cognitive behavioral therapy, she is commuting for four hours yep. to be <gasps> to pretend to be filled with ghosts with someone with yes. someone who has no training in yes. mental health treatment, no training, no qualifications. Yeah, nobody's checking up on her. Nobody's and 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 again, like even if she was even if she was doing all of this for free, right? We don't the relationship between these two people is dangerous because there's no regulation about it, right? Like so, exactly. even if she's like, I'm going to volunteer my time and I'm going to make you better. We don't know what she then did with Akaya afterwards. So like one way or the other, this is problematic. Right. Because one one of these two people is vulnerable. Yes. <laughs> Very vulnerable. And one of the only things we do find out about this process is that it involves her humbling herself completely before her teacher, yes. which involves sitting only on the floor and eating with her hands. Yep. And I wrote in my notes, sounds like a great and healthy power dynamic. Can't yes, see right. how that would ever go wrong. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if there was a clip of one of these movies of a doctor saying, well, you know, you really have to completely submit yourself to medical school. You have to sit on the floor and eat with your, I mean, that's what people do do in medical school. <laughs> well, yes. They don't brag about it. <laughs> right, right. Well, so, okay. And then we, we check back in on Adam. He's doing a little better. He says, he said, the words he says is, I had an opportunity to be an autistic counselor. I don't think that's what he meant, though. I don't think no, that's what he meant. <laughs> a counselor for people with autism. Hey, can I just be a neurotypical counselor? No, you only have to. Okay. <laughs> and then he says he he's a music therapist. You can't just call yourself a therapist. Not a legally protected term, Kara. You can, can be a, I'm whatever. a music therapist right now. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> just cured your AIDS. You're welcome. But, and this is where he's like, Oh, and by the way, my dad never molested me. I realized that I was wrong about that. My grandpa probably still did, but I realized that I was wrong about my dad. And then we're like, oh, fucking surprise ending. Great. And he's like, yeah, no, me and my dad are a lot closer. And I'm like, yeah, you no longer accusing him of rape is probably great for the relationship. I can see why that would really benefit. (laughs) I love, too, that there's no explanation for like, there's no narrative for why we keep checking in on Adam. And sometimes he's really not in a good way. Sometimes he's in a better way. And like, my explanation would be that he has schizoaffective disorder. No, right. And, yes. and sometimes when we check in on him, he's in a depressive episode. Other times he's in a manic episode. Other times he's euthymic. So right now, Adam is euthymic. But that doesn't mean that like, 
He's healed. Right. No, and, and from what? They don't even right. say that he does anything. And in the movie, we've watched him be happy three times. Three times he's been like, don't worry, everybody. I figured it out. Oh, God, the coyotes attacked the car. Right. And three yes. times the movie has been like, no, trust us. This is much better than consistent medical care. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah, so, but Akaya finished her bullshit training. So we watch her do, so, like, wander around Baltimore doing river magic or something. Right. Right. And as Kara said, like, we are glad that she has found meaning. Right. Mm -hmm. But there is no safety net. Right. What I right. wrote in my notes was, well, as long as everyone behaves completely responsibly with her utter and complete trust, this will always go well. Yes. Right. Great idea. Right. Great idea. Because I'm sure that all of these co-shamans, these peer shamans are going to know exactly what to do the next time that she has a severe psychotic episode and she attempts suicide again. I'm sure they're really well trained in what to do with that. No, yeah, yeah they'll, they'll nail no. it. I'm sure they'll yeah. nail it. Four yeah. easy payments. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and then we go back over to Will Hall. He's going to tell us the importance of meaning, which we've already talked about how stupid this straw man is, but complaining that psychiatric medicine doesn't give your life meaning is like complaining that the waitress didn't bring you an education, right? Like these are two different <laughs> fucking things. And like you said, like both are recommended in therapy, right? It's not like one is in isolation of the other. No, like I literally am an existential psychotherapist. I practice something called logotherapy. Viktor Frankl developed this type of therapy called logotherapy. Logo from the Greek word that means meaning, I do meaning-centered <laughs> therapy with my fucking clients. This is wow. like the core of my practice. <laughs> it's so infuriating listening to this guy be like, mm, they don't really offer no, this shit I don't shit really in the know West. anything about no, this. Trust us, Kara is full of shit. This guy, <laughs> this guy who admits to getting his start in his profession by throwing himself off the Golden Gate Bridge, he knows what he's talking about. Kara uh, just like went to school or some shit. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, right. Uh, well, this, the, the Gabor Mari guy, he comes back in and he fucks everything up for him too, right? Because he's like, yeah, you know, sometimes religion does help uh, with mental illness. Sometimes it does the exact opposite of help too, <laughs> exactly. though. <laughs> he goes too far. He's like doing a fucking Monty Python bit. He's like, yes, yeah, so sometimes religion helps. Sometimes it really, I mean, really, Really, really doesn't. Hey, hey, don't cut away. Look, it sometimes <laughs> really, really doesn't help. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's nice for her. That she found that. Yeah, but no, this, and then somebody else comes in to explain that fucking shamanism can cure your mental illness. The Roshi lady comes in and she says, there's something beautiful in trauma. And I'm like, other people's trauma is what you're talking about. Yeah, but yeah, not yours. Seriously. Oh, gross. Jesus. Unless she means her own, in which case I will say I'm brave as I am generous. I am willing to hit her with my car. If this lady would like to reach out, I'll happily hit you with my car. I I can say I think it'll be a beautiful experience. Well, no, that's where the, the, the wound is where the light gets in. So, yeah, no, I feel like. Yeah. So and then there's this really fucking weird TMI moment where Adam basically comes up and he's like, you know, everything about the process of filming this documentary has been deeply traumatizing for me. Thank oh, you. yeah, that was weird. It Thank really you. was. This is really dangerous. You had like cameras invading my privacy. You validated a bunch of my really bad beliefs. You uh, embarrassed my parents in what we now know was the final years of my mother's life. It has been uh, the worst thing you could do besides <laughs> oh God, so actually kill ways. me. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty terrible. You did a pretty bad thing with a camera. It's just pretty impressive. It's just a camera and you did so much harm. 
Yeah. And then they left it all in the movie. And yeah. my favorite part of this like long scene is that they start talking about how there are, who is saying this? There are millions of varieties of therapy. Mm-hmm. But in the healthcare system, we only use the ones with proven efficacy. Like they show this weird <laughs> word cloud in the background. You guys remember this? And yes, I don't know yeah. if, if they made No, this. it was the shaman lady. It was the lady was the that shaman. Okay. shamanistic practitioner on her Chiron, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if they made this word cloud or if it was like lifted from her website, but it's like, it's this animated word cloud where psychotherapy medicine are listed next to like acupuncture and dance natural yes dance was on body dance is one of the options and at the bottom it says this is not intended to replace medical or professional advice good for their lawyer man (laughs) he fought hard for that chiron (laughs) he fought i feel like there was lying down on top of a surface and refusing to move like Well, and, and so, and right at the very end, in case anyone was tempted to say, but what's the harm if these people are finding meaning and blah, blah, blah. Will Hall comes back up and he says, what we need is for the government to put funding towards our bullshit that might otherwise yeah. go to evidence-based therapies. Right. Marsh just p- appears behind him with a shining silver blade. <laughs> <laughs> So then we we check back in with Akaya one last time. She's in a much better place. She apologizes for not being a better mom when she was an unmedicated schizophrenic homeless person. Um, or sorry, a, a, an unmedicated homeless person with schizophrenia. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I, I, I learn. I learn. I love it. I love it. But I guess her kid's dad and his wife brought her into their home and let her co-parent with them, which seems great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Community is really excellent. We all we all agree. Yeah, on that. no, psychologists would never tell you that. But yeah. But <laughs> never luckily, tell. Luckily, Are you kidding? We watch this movie. I remember my first therapist to tell me, make sure you don't have a place to live. And I really, I still to this day <laughs> use it all the time. Well, and then we get we get one last wrap up with Adam, who he's got an apartment now. He's seeing a counselor. They sort of sneak that in. <laughs> oh, you mean getting mental health care? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's ignoring this movie's stupid fucking of advice. Yeah, I literally. OK, this is <laughs> this is the end of the movie. And I wrote. Adam's story makes no sense in this documentary. He is a walking poster child for traditional mental health treatment. Yes. Like he consistently fares worse when he strays from structure and evidence-based interventions. And then he consistently does better when he uses them. Yes. Yet they still keep this narrative throughout the doc. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Right. They're like, but now he stares pensively at waterfalls. So he's my, everything's, everything worked out great for him. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, maybe he says this. Maybe his mental illness had some higher purpose. And I wrote in my notes, I got to check out some purpose in my depression, guys. Maybe I am a worthless piece of shit. Oh, and we no. considered that. <laughs> we considered that because that's the message the spirits have been giving me since I was nine. Yeah. <sighs> no, right. The, the, the dude, I think it was Will, he says again, he's like, what if mental illness, or maybe it was the narrator, he says, like, what if mental illness was treated like an opportunity instead of a disease? And I'd be like, well, then it would be demonstrably worse for people with mental illness, I guess. That would, would, <laughs> right, would be a terrible, exactly. terrible thing. And he's, and, but then he ends up with this stupid fucking prejudice, right? Because he goes like, maybe, you know, if we just listen to the mentally ill, we'll find that there's a relationship between being crazy and being wise, right? That's his fucking name drop of the movie. And I'm like, look, man, nobody's arguing that mentally ill people can't be wise. That's just your dumb fucking prejudice bubbling to the surface. Also, nobody who actually works in in the mental health field 
uses the word crazy. Right, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, can we just make that pretty clear? Actually, Kara, I hate to blow up your spot like this, but I actually see in your prescription pad here, it says two big old pills for cuckoo for coconuts. I don't know... I when love that, that still to this day, you don't understand that I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> Kara? <laughs> Kara? He doesn't even know you're not a dead person dentist yet, okay? It <laughs> gives me meaning in my life that you're a dead person dentist <laughs> with the ability to bite through a man's ribcage. I think you need cage, to validate his experience here. <laughs> like a bar of white chocolate. Oh, and so I, I expect an apology. But then, just in case you hadn't suffered enough, Adam is going to sing to us for like two and a half minutes at the end of this. They're going to do their anti-psychiatry medicine rap. Okay. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) That's as close as I've ever been to hell. All right. So, Kara, now that you know your profession is bullshit and you're actually just robbing people of their magic powers at the behest of Big Pharma, what uh, career do you think you're going to pursue instead? I'm already a dead person dentist. Oh, right. No, I guess dead people do. Look at her doubling down. You need to maintain a narrative. (laughs) (laughs) This is very inconsistent. And now she's buying into the podcast. I don't have to. Okay. (laughs) We'll introduce you to the wool dasher minzel. Trust me, you're going to love it here. Oh yeah, right. What is happening? And a quick reminder, of course, that you can check out Doctor Almost Doctor Santa Maria's (laughs) other work on Talk Nerdy or by going to carasantamaria.com, which you will find linked in the show notes. Kara, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you. In person at QED. Yeah, yeah that's so excited. And I will be Dr. Santa Maria by the oh, time fuck we get yeah. to QED. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, that's going to do it for our review of Crazy Wise. That's not going to do it for this episode just yet because we still need to step on the same damn rake next week. So Eli, tell us what's on deck. Well, all this talk of mental illness made me miss the brilliant documentarian skills of the folks over at Finger of God. Oh, no. So we'll be watching Finger of God 2, <gasps> Furious Love. Oh, for fuck's sake. There's a two. There's a three. So with that, uh, I, I, it says in the notes, <laughs> look forward to. We're going to bring episode 418 to a merciful close. Once again, a huge thanks to all the Patreon donors that help make the show go. If you'd like to count yourself among the ranks, you can make a pre-episode donation to patreon.com slash godawful and thereby earn early access to an ad-free version of every episode. You can also help us a ton by leaving a five-star review and by sharing the show on all your various social media platforms. And if you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our sibling shows, the Skate the Gate, the Citation Needed, D&D Minus, and the Sky for God, available wherever podcasts live. If you have questions, comments, or cinematic suggestions, you can email godawfulmovies at gmail.com. Tim Robertson takes care of our social media. Our theme song was written and performed by Ryan Slightly for Josh on Mars. All the other music was written and performed by our audio engineer, Morgan Clark, and was used with permission. Thanks again for giving us a check of your life this week. For Heath Enright and Eli Bostick, I'm going to lose his promise to work hard to earn another check next week. Until then, we'll leave you with the Breakfast Club Clothes. Adam's self-produced acoustic rap album, Crazy Wise, can now be purchased as Soul Food Coffee Bar for the low, low price of three Reiki Wiggles and a dime bag. (laughs) It's true. Legit. Northern Mongolia continues to absolutely crush it when it comes to mental health care. Everyone associated with this movie is still alive, which is a goddamn miracle. Right? Seriously. (sighs) So I am hot grand mala high priestess of the Shoto Oto healing tribe in this mm-hmm. one. Yes, cool. you are. Cool. That's respectful. <laughs> Don't worry. Your, your, your real name's Ashley. You're a white lady. Uh, okay, cool. All right. We, we clarified. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. We've already gotten your emails about not doing blackface, Kara. Yeah, okay, we you. get I it. Jesus that. Christ. <laughs> I'll be alone on stage. It's fine. Good for you. Sorry for trying to push the edge. <laughs> Sorry for trying to make you governor. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.